0: Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Jeff Sire, and with me today is Julie Keel. Hello, everyone. And Mike McPeak. Howdy. And today we're going to be talking about the movie Bicentennial Man. Uh, We have a very short uh, synopsis from IMDb. Uh, An android endeavors to become human as he gradually acquires emotions. So I think you could boil this uh, story down and say this is Pinocchio.
1: Pinocchio, yeah, <laughs> yeah. or data.
2: Yeah, uh, data. I thought of. I hadn't thought of, of Pinocchio, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. So just off the
0: bat, did you guys like it,
2: or so-so, or not like it?
1: Okay, we all know that Jeff didn't like it. Yes, yes,
2: <laughs> right, yes, yes.
1: But um, like it? I it, it, to me it was fine. It was a it, yeah. it was a good movie. Um, you know, sappy and. Drawn out. I will. I will give that. It, it's based on an Isaac Asimov short story, and it did feel at times like there was just filler. You know, I was just trying to get to that
0: two-hour mark or okay. something. But I just want to say something about the. You know, being from the Isaac Asimov story, I thought that okay, if you you draw inspiration from the story, I thought the biggest betrayal of the whole thing was the last scene where she says to the robot, can you just unplug me? And she goes around and turns off the life support system. Okay, the whole thing is based on the three rules of robotics. That's the one thing that the android couldn't do Do. (laughs) was caused by their own action, the death of a human. Yeah. Like, I thought, when I saw that, I'm like, Christopher Columbus, like the director and the people who wrote this, like, either they just kind of... Oh, okay, you wrote this nice little book there, but uh we're gonna do our own thing like I hate when they say oh we're we're drawing from this source material, and then at the very core of what they're doing, they obviously either don't get or don't care about the source material that they're drawing from yeah i that really bugged me
1: they they violated it for dramatic effect, yeah, yeah
2: well and you're talking to mr sappy over here so i I did like the movie I you know kind of like the you know kind of the love story that kind of that thing but you know I'm just like I said, I I'm a sucker for those kind of movies, so that's well, that's why I liked it.
0: Don't get me wrong, like I you know when I was watching, it, I had the sniffles a few times, but that's what they like. That's one of the I think the good examples that uh, comedy is way harder to do than drama. Like if you want to make people cry, oh, there's a little baby, a little kid in pain, or there's you know a, a couple that have been together for years that love each other, and then when you know one dies, like oh, it's easy to make people cry. Right, mm-hmm. it's hard to make people laugh. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um,
0: I just thought that a lot of the, the the heartstrings that they were pulling were were real cheap shots as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, again, like I I, I, I know over the course of our discussion, I'm going to sound probably rougher on this <laughs> than I mean to, because I don't think it was like the worst. It was definitely not the worst thing I've ever seen, but I think there were there were major problems. With this, uh, not just as a as a sci fi property and, and understanding like where are where the human race is going with regards to the technology that they're talking about, I, which I think there were major problems. But uh, I think just the movie itself as a movie was kind of flawed.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I could call it formulaic. I mean, it was right up there with castaway. It's like okay, we know how this is going to end, you know, and you know that early on. But you know, it was it was done in 1999. And the first thing that that hit me was, oh my God, look at all these familiar faces. So I'm I'm sitting there, you know, I don't know the actors' names, but the guy from Jurassic Park is, you know, Sammy. major, yeah. yeah. And then um, Milton from Office Space is in here as well. That one it was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I had to look that one up. So, uh,
2: um, and did you recognize that uh, M. uh I'm going to murder her name, but uh, David's. Uh, she was from uh, Europa Report. She played oh. um, uh, Portia and Little Miss Amanda Mark. Okay,
1: that seems. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting.
2: I did not put that together.
1: I didn't well, I, either, but it does. It, I had a feeling the face was familiar.
0: Well, I okay, didn't. I'll, I'll elevate this movie just a little <laughs> bit higher just because I like the Europa Report so much. <laughs>
2: I thought that would help. And I didn't notice it until I was poking around in the the trivia like I always do. And I came across it and I went, oh, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. So, Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting. Speaking of the actors, though, too, Robin Williams is, you know, the main character here. And it's really kind of out of character for him I mean it's it's there were comedic moments but very few
0: there were also glimpses of Robin Williams just being Robin Williams like where he told you know a bunch of jokes in a row right yep you know uh, know, oh wow what's going on but
1: but those were um, just I mean like 30 seconds out of the whole movie
0: that's true yeah yeah. I mean you, you
1: had this huge star with huge talents and this I, movie did not take advantage of it. And honestly, I'm tr- I'm trying to think why he would have agreed to do it because I don't just,
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I read uh, one of the reviews because Robin Williams won a Razzie Award for his performance in this, and I read I think it was from Gene uh, or Roger Ebert, and he said the first half of the the of the movie Robin Williams is robotic, and the second half of the movie the script is robotic.
1: Yeah. There you go. Thought, no.
0: that, that is a very good. Summary.
1: Yeah, that's that does nail it pretty
2: much, yeah. Well, I, I looked at Rotten Tomatoes and saw the critics gave it a 37, but the um, general public gave it a 58. So I think critics are were harder on it than I think people in general that's were. So,
0: well, But also, you got to remember on stuff like that, like Robin Williams is a really beloved actor by a lot of people. Right. And there that. are a lot of people that would watch him read the phone book and be... <laughs> Oh, yeah. And give it at least one thumb up, right? But
1: honestly, this movie is pretty close to having him read the phone book. I mean, it really didn't play to his strengths at all.
2: Nowhere. In well, it could have just been an acting choice on his part because you know he is known for comedy. Why didn't you try to do something else? And you know, it'd be interesting to talk to him sometime and see if he if he learned anything from this movie, you know, about acting.
1: Well, see, and I have because it's not an obvious choice, at least to me. I have. I would sit here and wonder if maybe it wasn't something he had an opinion on that it was. You know, the the topic was important to him, or you know, well, he likes know, sci-fi. Uh, or,
0: yeah, he does. Yeah. I know he does like. Uh, sci-fi, he doesn't get the opportunity to do a lot of it, so maybe that's part of it. Like, I know he's a huge uh, video game and World of Warcraft guy, so um, yeah, so maybe it was something God, that'd
1: be fun to watch. Oh my god. Robin Williams playing World of Warcraft. Oh, I've
0: I've seen... I don't know if it was World of Warcraft, but I know he's been at... um, Lord. He's been hired as a presenter at video game releases where he would go on stage and play the game. And I can't remember if it was uh, a Warcraft one that I saw. I think it was uh, Assassin's Creed or something that I saw him doing. And, like, uh, yeah, he's not faking it. Like, he Oh, I c- yeah.
1: Given given his talents, I can just hear the play-by-play of, you know, like a raid or something. That would yeah. be freaking well, awesome.
2: Robin Williams is one of those people you drop a quarter in them and then step back and then watch the show. But that's, I mean,
1: that's it. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But, um,
0: I don't know if you guys listen to Mark Marin's, uh, WTF podcast. Mm-mm. One of the first people he, that he interviewed, like he's got a, I don't know, maybe 350 interviews now, but one of the first people he interviewed was Robin Williams. And if you get a chance, go back and listen to that because it, it I've never, because it's Robin Williams talking to an old friend and he's not the Robin Williams that you know. He's just low key and just, you know, cause he, he talks, cause Robin Williams, uh, uh, had a lot of early in his career, he had a lot of uh, criticism for stealing other people's jokes, and they talk about that. And he's just, yeah, well, that's just kind of the, what I do. I just watch people and absorb things. And yes, yeah, some of that you know comes out. Like, but he's vest- he's so low key, and it's none of the you know crazy manic Robin Williams that you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. It, it's a really good interview. Uh, but yeah, so if you're if you're a Robin Williams fan, it's definitely worth uh, looking that uh, looking that up. Yep. But we should probably move on to some of the tech that uh, now, now that we've we've assassinated the movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> on acting and everything uh, so at its core, this movie is about uh, artificial intelligence uh that's in a in a, a robot, and somehow this robot is created unique from the others in that series he 's never able to find another robot that's quite like him. Did you guys get the impression that that whatever happened to him was a result of the whole jumping out the window thing right at the start
2: that's what the, that's the conclusion I kind of came to because yeah. you know he did come in kind of dazed and confused. I just figured you know it could have just uh one of those random quirks that just made something yeah. click inside his positronic brain.
0: I don't think the movie really the movie just kind of leaves it open. I don't think they even really kind of. Uh, push you towards that conclusion but I think that's one of the things that they present as like well you know possibly, it yeah, the could de- have been a, what happened
1: they describe it as an anomaly you know in parts of it as if it was a manufacturing defect or something though too so See, it it doesn't sound like they
0: really have a conclusion themselves as to- that comes to one of the things that I think for, like on the tech side is one of the or probably the biggest flaw in this movie is that they view it as a glitch and i think if this happened in real life like people would be clamoring hand over like there would be an unbelievable rush to get essentially artificial people to to replicate him and and to do this and and but uh, but in this he's faced with all of this negativity and nobody wants that and oh no you're you're just a piece of property like i think if you actually created an artificial person like that who had emotions and 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 oh. you could see it i think people would
2: just go uh, no.
1: i don't know
2: I yeah. wouldn't want to be the company manufacturing it because once you introduce the human element into something like that, humans are unpredictable. That we are, we, we can be murderers. We can be, you know, violent people. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just afraid that you know, a company if they were to manufacture something like this, the liability lawsuits that would ensue because. Oh, this robot servant went nuts and beat my kids, or something like that. Well, but just but think as about the as
0: racism we have. in this. He's not like that. He's no. he's just no. kind of self-aware. But
1: think of our ability to be racist. I mean, how much dif- How much of that would be magnified on a manufactured, you know, device? A, a, and it's interesting too that through the course of the movie, they refer to him as a robot, and then later as an android, and finally, finally, as a human. Um, so the, I the just I just think it was
0: change. it was very unrealistic that over the course of his 200 years there's essentially four people that he comes in contact with that respect him for for the unique individual that he is and I think like. There's yes. no way. I think yes. I, I, I'm not saying unless that unless they were actually hiding would embrace him. him with open arms. But I I, I think there is a, a huge chunk of society that would be clamoring to yeah uh, to accept it at the, the piece of his time. You know?
1: Well, you you could play it out this way, and the movie doesn't really. The movie is trying to keep the the circle you know the budget down, <laughs> so um, but at the very beginning when they when they first bring them back to the the manufacturer and they're like oh no we want to take them apart and figure out you know why it's broken um at that point you just might take it home and hide it you know to protect it um so
0: i think there's like we as human beings we anthropomorphize everything mm-hmm. we anthropomorphize our pets like even those I, I think i know i know i've mentioned it before the people who uh who have uh Roombas, those vacuum cleaners that just like their little, you know, remote control, not even remote control, but little autonomous vacuum cleaners, people like draw faces on them to anthropomorphize those things. So if you could actually get something that not only you were anthropomorphizing, but actually had those attributes that you were attributing to it, oh man. (laughs) Again, not everybody, but there's a big chunk of the public that would be clamoring for something
1: no and and there would if you could recreate it there would be a huge demand i would think too yeah but it it's at some point though too the, the 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 thing was manufactured to begin with to be essentially a servant and once it becomes human um it can't be a servant anymore it has to be a human so uh, slavery is not allowed at least by law most places at that I know of, I, so, I, and
0: I didn't understand Sam Neil's point of view. Well, well, now you have to leave. Well,
1: well, no, no. now
0: now you're an employee.
1: <laughs> yeah, no that, that was that was a weird scene in here. I don't think they handled that well. I mean, as far as as, um, there's nothing wrong with the scene itself, but the whole idea that as soon as the the android is granted his freedom, that he 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 no longer has to be. With the, I mean. I'll make the parallel to slavery. Even the slaves, after they were freed, many of them chose to stay on the slave owners' plantations because, A, it was the only thing they knew. Yes. you know, And they did actually, you know, I won't say enjoy it, but, it, you know, it, it was uh, comfortable enough for them to not want to venture think, out into the wide world.
0: I think that falls into the realm like, not that, oh, you know, I was experiencing such wonderful treatment under my slaveholder.
1: Yeah, I no. <laughs> you know. It,
0: it, it's that... Uh, You know, okay, it's the The devil devil you know know, versus the devil you don't. Like, well, okay, well, I'm not. You know, it looks like we're not going to be beaten on a regular basis, and they're going to pay us now. And uh, and not every slave owner
1: was horrid either. That's
0: yeah, that's true. And so, like, if you change that relationship, and and also, like, I've heard, um, I've heard stories about like if you keep an animal in captivity for long enough. That when you release it to the wild, like it, it it's just like it doesn't know what to do. They don't know, you no, know and, no, 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 yeah. And like at our core, like hey, we are we are animals as well, yep. Yep. right? And uh, and and if you spent your whole life essentially in slavery, if you were released <laughs> and said now you can do whatever you want, well, I don't even like where do you even start, right?
1: Yeah. See that that was an interesting progression, and literally the crux of the entire movie was this this idea of. Uh, it was kind of the turning point there when when the freedom thing hit because it's like where did that come from and and um uh, why why does it matter i mean
0: well that part of it i f- like and, and again this isn't the only movie that you see that kind of attitude in yep. but that's incredibly arrogant yeah the the whole idea that well you know you would obviously want to be human why
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
0: like You know, like what? What is humanity? Really, like I don't know, a cat? You know? Yeah. Like, you know, you have freedom. Why couldn't you, you know, like uh, stay as a, uh, uh, like a robot or or whatever? Like, like I, I think that they took the emphasis off him gaining his freedom and put it on him gaining humanity. That was the the total end goal, and I just I think that was. I and, think that I think the movie lost something by doing that.
1: Yeah, and it it, it, it assumed that the freedom thing was one step towards humanity, and it's yeah. like really, maybe think so. Okay,
0: because that that kind of goes back to uh, again, like a, we've been doing enough podcasts and we have these common themes, and like, you know, what does it mean to be a human? Like, okay, well, if you have somebody that's in a coma that is no longer interacting, well okay, if you're using those standards as humanities, are they no longer human? So, like, I, I don't know, I Yeah. Just, yeah, I, I thought the whole, you know, him striving for humanity was just...
1: Well, it's a trope. I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah. It's and, started it started with Pinocchio. It tied
0: right in with the whole... You know, Chris Columbus's is uh, I'm going to pull your heart strings and this is something else that, you know, a string that I can pull on like, oh, he's striving. He, you know, essentially it's the Pinocchio story of he wants to be the little boy. Right. And uh, uh, I just, well,
2: <laughs> I didn't um- buy it. <laughs> I think um, maybe to justify asking him to leave, it might be you know as as parents sometimes you know if you have your kids living in your house they may be free but it's really not until they get out on their own and they're kind of forced to deal with things it sounds a little cold sometimes but if you're forced to go out there and have to deal with it yourself you tend to grow more and I I I I think maybe that's what he was thinking that he forced him if he's going to be there he might not grow as well as if he had to be out in his own. And taking care of himself and figuring these things out.
1: I agree but, with that, you, but that's a different conversation than the movie portrayed. Totally true. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he
0: threw him out. Of, he, well, not threw him out. He but did. Like he, he threw him he, out. He he, he he told him to leave, and he he uh, didn't see him for 16 years, and only saw him on his deathbed. Yeah, like that's not the same as uh, you know. Well, son, you've come of age. You go yeah. out into the world, and in, then, in you order know, to
1: grow come more, come back he, Christmas. He, so, yeah. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, that 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 struck me that I mean that whole thing that went down there just struck me as odd because up until then they had a very good relationship. It looked like they were, you know, respecting each other. It wasn't like, you know, the the whatever the guy's name was um was, you know, referring him always as, you know, you robot, you know. Um so it just it just it it, it felt like it came out of left field and and totally, you know, but it, as far as a plot device, it was kind of necessary that it was that was what got him out of the house to search for you know
2: others like him, um, yeah, and let me throw in here because I, I was watching when he first started winning around going around looking for uh to find robots like him. The first place that he went to was Fort Pierce, South Dakota, yeah. yeah, and I'm thinking <laughs> really I missed did, that, yeah, and I'm going, why the heck did you go to Fort Pier? I've been to Fort Pier I mean I know, this is I've... not. This is not Pier. This is capital of Carolina, this, this is Fort, Fort Pier. Pier, the one on the other side of the river, the other side of the timeline. Yeah, the right. one where people go when the bar is closed in Pier, they run across the timeline so they can be uh, in the bar for another hour over there. Not to dedicate Fort Pier, but I mean, you know. Uh, so I'm wondering why was there a robot in you know in Fort Pier? So yeah,
1: who in Fort Pier would be owning a robot? You know, right, unless bars? it was a Robo
2: Bouncer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just found that amusing. I just kind of had to that. throw that How did I in miss there, that? but. Uh, but
1: interesting, yeah. And the the was that the baseball diamond one?
2: No, oh, that okay. was in Indiana, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I think in Fort Pierre, he was just laying in a bone pile somewhere. Oh, he-
1: the one that was frozen. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Oh. Missed that anyway, but yeah, the the um, the other robots like him truly, you know, they were doing what we would consider to be robotic jobs, um, apparently. I don't know what happened to the one from Fort Pier because it was frozen in the front seat of a pickup, apparently. But, um, you know, the other one was uh, doing lines in a baseball diamond. The other one was... They, they'd stuck a personality chip in the girl robot, you know. and But she was still a robot um, doing jobs, you know, running errands, you know yeah. what? What do they call him? Uh, oh, the, bitch! I think <laughs> bitch jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, there, there wasn't an issue apparently with robots. I mean, everybody seemed to be familiar with robots. It was just the android slash crossing over to human thing that, you know, at the very end too, th- they did not grant humanity to all androids or anything they only granted humanity to this one particular right. one so it's not like some great
0: victory at the end for I thought that was probably the most interesting point in the whole movie when he was saying it's like they make the point that uh, oh you're you're just a machine and he makes the point back is like well you have artificial organs that are not yeah. human organs so are you just a machine as part partly just a machine as well and i think to me, that's the, um, and that's that. That was the most interesting question that was posed in the movie, and I think going forward for forward for us as like a, a human race, that's something that's probably. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of head scratching time on it anytime soon. But I bet, like in the next hundred years, I bet that's going to be asked more and more as as more and as we are more and more able to replace body parts with uh, machines and stuff like that, and we get to the point where. Um, a mechanical part or a replacement part is actually better than a natural part. Not just, uh, well, if you lose this, we can replace it with some inferior thing. But the, you know, we can actually replace, like the the uh, South African sprinter with the right, the, the legs, right? Yeah. yeah, like I think we are going to be asking ourselves more and more of like, okay, well, at what point do you cease to be human if we've replaced everything? Right.
1: Yep yeah i th- I think that is the ongoing issue and and to some extent this movie just kind of plays into that uh, call yeah. it a debate discussion whatever yeah. you know mindset yeah,
0: because like we're we don't need to we're not nobody's having those questions now but you can see like you know as people oh, get I artificial hearts and artificial, you know like artificial organs and stuff like that and we are heading in that direction yeah and I, I I'm sure that those questions will come up at some time.
1: i think I think there are people out there right now wrestling with those questions full-time, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, everything from sports, you know, what, what, what crosses the line, you know, with performance enhancing yeah. drugs to performance enhancing, you know, implants for, you know, wh- where that line is gray, really kind of
0: gray. And this also touches on like the, uh, I, I don't, think it's as big a debate for you guys in the united states but it's become a a bigger debate here with the euthanasia and it's something that comes up from time to time but uh it's gained more profile in the last few months in canada and uh you know like the die with dignity excuse me die with dignity idea and but that also ties into like you know you are a you know a human being, so you have the right to end your own life, and you know questions like that.
1: Yeah, there's, it's some big ones there, and the the interesting part about this movie too is that it, it's you know who's making those decisions. Essentially, it's this. Should we call him a mad scientist in the basement? Um, that's making a, I mean this is not the big corporation the big corporation kicked out the robot to begin with the The, the person who, who transformed that into you know according to the movie a human um, was essentially the unemployed mad scientist in the basement so what
0: you gonna <laughs> well, yeah, do I, I would I would say you could argue that uh, that Andrew should have been charged like if, if euthanasia was still against the law that he should have been charged as as soon as they declared him human, he should have been charged with with uh, with murder because he he was a mortal. He was in no danger of dying. And he, through his own actions, put a cap on his life and put himself in a situation where his body was decaying and going to die.
2: But that's almost a catch-22 because they wouldn't declare him human until he was capable of dying. So the yeah. only way he could do it would be to <laughs> become a human. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a that's probably a more interesting question than anything they posed in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh,
1: well.
0: I, I did appreciate the depiction
1: of the the judge or whoever it was, um, recognizing the gravity of the the. Um, The precedent that was going to be set. I mean, you do not just sit there and go, okay, I heard all the arguments, fine, here's here's my opinion, go, you know, um, it was like, okay, we got to do this carefully, (laughs) because it's kind of dicey, so that was, to me, that was, uh, you know, of all that whole debate in the Senate or whatever it was, it was like, okay, thank, you know, at least they recognized and they were presenting it in the movie as even then not being something simple. To deal with.
2: Well, you know, and the thing I was thinking of when I was watching this movie, um, to me, um, it was kind of a way of examining, you know, people who aren't quite like us. Uh, I think I mentioned here before that my oldest son's autistic. And I was looking at him and I'm thinking, you know, I, you know, kind of familiar with, you know, autistic people or something like that, and at times he did act that way, he, you know, it was kind of, he didn't quite get the joke, he didn't, uh, you know, it was kind of socially, you know, awkward, uh, didn't, you know, always handle himself or didn't always know how to handle himself, and so when I looked at that, I kind of thought of, looked at that as, you know, it's just another, you know, that was a different way of examining, you know, like I say, autistic people or maybe people who aren't quite the same as right. the rest of us.
0: And nobody's running around saying that your son's not a human being, right? Right. No. Yeah. Just no, because he doesn't fit into
2: that particular mold. No. But once upon a time, because of you know, uh, they're because they learn differently, they were treated. You know, not I'm not saying that they weren't treated as human beings, but they were. You know, maybe labeled as uh, you know maybe mentally retarded or you know or something like that. And right. I think they finally come to figure out that if you you know these people just learn differently and if when they learn at the way that they're capable of there's nothing wrong with them um it's just that you know uh, they were labeled differently and you know this is kind of the same thing just because you know he doesn't have flesh and blood like uh we do does that make him different or not see i think autism is
0: one of those things that uh like uh uh, I mentioned before about the whole arrogance of like, well, everybody would want to be human, that sort of thing. Everybody would want to be the norm, uh, that everybody would strive for that. But I've seen – I saw that TED Talk that Temple Grandin does uh, that uh, she's the autistic uh, animal behaviorist. And she makes no bones about the fact that no – like. You people, you quote-unquote normal people owe a debt to people who are autistic because it wasn't for people like me. You people would still be sitting around fires and caves because it's the the people that have that Asperger's or autistic spark that like, you know, I don't – I want something else, right?
2: Well, what she always said was that because she felt like she had more in common with the cows than she did with people because of the noise and the sensitivity. Yeah, because she's, I think uh, her claim to fame is she's designed about 50% of the cattle handling facilities in this country. And she would just walk down the chute, and she would, you know, things that we would ignore, like the sound of a. a flapping flag or something clanging against each other would drive her nuts yeah. and she goes it drives cattle nuts too yeah slippery flooring it was one yes. of the
0: big thing too yeah to install no slip flooring so the cattle wouldn't panic yeah like and i think that that's one of those things that like it can be looked at as 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 uh as a negative but man they are like in some ways it is a it is a a gift, almost, to be able to think outside of the the box that all the rest of us are in, right?
1: Well, and bringing that back to the movie, the, the, there's some of that depicted um, in, in this as well. The, not enough, perhaps. It doesn't really make a point. I mean, uh, everything goes back to track, but data. Uh, in Star Trek: uh, Next Generation, always has uh, kind of a unique perspective and especially unique skills yeah. of being able to absorb large, you know, quantities of data in uh, short amounts of time that make him a valuable member of the team. Um, this particular movie. I'm not sure. Does a, a great job of saying, you know, other than this this wood carving skill, the uh, art and drawing, and a few other things that he picked up along the way. Um, I well, I don't know. Do you think that's that makes him a, a, a valuable? Uh, you know, a, I guess well, it made him rich, if some Yeah, extent. I was going to say that yeah. they,
0: they allude to the fact that he's like pretty much fabulously rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah cuz when he went to get his um thumb replaced the guy said something about uh well we could do the face but it cost me a year's salary and basically i think it was like a month's salary for andrew or something like that so yeah, yeah whatever go ahead you know. which i think kind of torqued off the um the ceo but
1: Yeah no, and that was a brilliant scene i loved that one yeah. yeah yeah so you know and that and that whole business too that was actually the first sign that There was something unique about this particular robot was when he carved that horse out of... I mean, seriously, he he broke the horse, the the glass horse, which couldn't be replaced. And all he had was books and a piece of wood. And the next thing you know, by morning, back to the whole android or robot, you know, absorbing information rapidly and in massive quantities, um, had produced a miniature... You know, Bronco. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> hello. Um, you know, to, to in exquisite detail apparently. So, um, you know that that skill would <laughs> the other robots couldn't do it. I mean, it was the mutant. You could argue that uh, is the one that that developed that particular skill.
0: Right. Uh, I think. The, I think the interesting part of that was he asked how you carved it, and he said he started talking about the process he used. And he said, "Well, you just remove wood until you see the shape in there." Yeah, because wood. he he didn't he didn't make a copy of the thing that she'd lost. It it he made a he made a horse, but it was a different in a different pose and everything. And I think that was the the important. Yeah, to and take away the, there that he was—he had—he was essentially he was an artist. Well, he wasn't just, or he uh, read that in a mis- book
1: because that's – No,
0: it wasn't that though. He he, uh because the way that he can constructed it was was the same way that you would hear like a sculptor sculptor talk about removing yep. the uh, the the stone or well, I believe the material was Michelangelo away, to, to draw who said it out, that, yeah. right? Yep. That the shape was in there and he just had to draw it out. Yep. That's different from like. You could, you could look at uh, if he had replicated her little horse in exact detail just in wood. Well, that's not really art, right? right. That, that, no, that's that's no different printer. than what a machine does. Yeah, right. a 3D printer or anything like that. The 3D printer isn't an artist. The 3D printer is just copying right. this pattern.
1: Oh, and the but wife he did made that different. argument.
0: I'm sorry?
1: The wife was making that argument.
0: Yeah, yeah. but uh, I think that was... I think that was the point of the, their, that they were trying to make there was that he wasn't just copying it, that he right. was actually yep. – uh, it was his interpretation of the horse, right?
1: Yeah, and that, that truly was the first sign that he was something more than
0: just yeah. a robot. Did you guys find it at all creepy that uh, he essentially uh, got married to the granddaughter of uh, <laughs> of the he first life? Yeah,
1: that was a little creepy.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I was getting this whole kind of uh, yeah. uh, Woody Allen
2: uh, sort of vibe yeah. there. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for ruining the moment for yeah, me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, sure.
1: That's the uh, That's kind of the old time traveler paradox too, you yeah. know. I mean,
0: well, I was yeah. thinking like, you know, when they're setting that up, I'm like, really? I'm like, they th- they're going to do this? And they're like, wow, you know, like, how is how is this not supposed to be creepy?
1: Yeah, so. no kidding. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week with uh, the island, Um The the idea that in the island, people were buying, uh, I believe it was mentioned in the movie, that an additional 60 to 70 years' worth of life. Well, that would put you up around, what, 150 years old, maybe? Um, Whereas in Bicentennial Man, he reached 200 years old, which, you know, um, he was okay with. (laughs) You know, it wasn't like, I want to live forever. It's like, no, I've been there enough, and it just gets lonely after some point. Um, So that that whole idea of living forever may not be the holy grail for the human race that everybody thinks it is. See,
0: um, I I disagree with that. Like I I think the the reason why you have people that are that are okay, you know, and and you know, comfortable with the idea of dying when they're later in in years is that like your body's run down. Like I don't think, you know, day-to-day life for an elderly person is not especially pleasurable. That's why you end up, you know, with people taking like a plethora of painkiller drugs and stuff like that. So I think if, if you're faced, you know, with day in, day out just you know, being uncomfortable and you know some you know in in some sort of low level of pain, yeah, then you know death is an end to that. And it so it's not something to be feared. But I think if you were living in a body that was, you know, young and vibrant and then, if you'd been around for a hundred years, you're like, "No, I'm I'm good to go." <laughs> you know, like I I could be wrong. Maybe it's a maybe it is a mental thing, but uh, I think you'd have a very different outlook on life if if uh, or on your willingness to die if if you were in a body that was. Yeah, I think uh,
1: I think th- sh- I, I I agree with you to, to you know on, on the physical part of it, but I think there is the mental part too, and I, and I think that's what got to Robin, okay, um, Andrew in the movie was yes. the fact that he didn't know anybody.
0: Yeah, everybody that he loved, loved was gone. Was gone.
1: Right. Yeah. And that I think that's a real thing for yeah. for humans as well. I mean, you 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 grow up in a certain time and and at some point, you know, nobody remembers the things you remember and things that they talk about are things that are not they don't see them in perspective. I mean, if you're elderly and and you see people doing I don't know name something clothing styles or hairstyles or something and, and people are going oh yeah it's the latest and greatest it's like well yeah it looks exactly like I did when I was 12 okay and that was like 70 years ago um, so you know I, I just you wind up being an, a misfit and uh, essentially an outcast among you know in society among friends and peers and other humans so it gets it i think the awkwardness yeah. of that
0: could be isolating it 's like when you when you see somebody who's gotten divorced or whatever and they're in their maybe late forties and they date somebody who's in their early twenties, like what do you even talk about yeah
1: like, yeah
0: well, you know like there's you know once you get by the weather and politics and you start talking about personal experiences like what you know how much can you really share with that person like your 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 ex, your life experiences are so disparate, Dif- yeah, you know.
1: And I could see where you know, in the in the robotic, um, you know, living forever type of thing. Once you've gotten past the idea of just being a machine and do, and having a job to do, and then you know, uh, and and moved on to this thing of having memories and feelings and all this other stuff, it could that that could be rough. I mean, I could I can see where that could be not desirable for eternity. Yeah.
2: I mean, if you go on that, yeah, the emotional roller coaster well, well, of forming relationships and dying and, you know, It goes back to over. the forever
1: war that we read ages ago. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's the same thing there. People are like, you know, I have no connection with you people anymore. I don't even recognize the society that I'm supposedly protecting. You know, just please send me away with other people that are like me that, you know,
2: yeah.
1: I can relate
0: to. And you So guys we can could go somewhere and be weird on our own.
1: Yeah, basically. So... Yeah. So I think part of the Bicentennial Man story uh, is the uniqueness of it can also equal isolation. Um, So among a thousand other things. But it's interesting, going back to the tech, though, too. I love the way that they um, put together his face. You know, they had (laughs) that was a great scene where he's screaming, ah! Yeah. (laughs) Where they they took his... uh, took his head apart basically um, but they I love the way they just threw the silly putty on the metal frame and just yeah. you
2: know and just molded it into a face I was like wow okay <laughs> well and he did make the point though that uh, you know uh, I think he was trying to get into the uncal uncanny valley thing that he said to make a face look realistic it has to have flaws it has to have imperfections if you were to sit there and basically just kind of stamp out the perfect face day after day on a machine it would look weird it would look unnatural Uh, you know because a real human has scars they have pimples they have you know worry lines have all this other kind of stuff that makes them unique and uh, I think that was kind of a a point that they were making about you know androids that you couldn't have them look perfect because they would look completely unnatural
0: that uh the uncanny valley thing though that's i don't have we talked about that on the show before no yeah so. that uh, so if you're unfamiliar with that it's the idea that um if you look at um this kind of goes back to anthropomorphizing as well but like the idea of uh in art or particularly in in some sort of uh, 3D or uh something like that where you you're showing uh, an artificial person uh, like Avatar, where you get to the point that uh, you're willing to suspend disbelief, but there is this valley between uh, where they look so close to being human that you can't distinguish them, and between that and like a cartoon, that there's this uncanny valley that actually freaks you out that people find uncomfortable.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think and, we did uh, kind of talk about it a little bit when we did the. Um Uh, The Ghost in the Shell uh, episode, and we, yeah,
0: Yeah, and we were talking
2: about those uh, machines uh, from Boston Dynamics, and then the very next day, Google turned around and bought them. um, (laughs) And I got to looking here, you know, because you know, is Google going to be the one that maybe makes the uh, the um, you know the perfect or you know starts making uh, androids or the you know robots here? Because I went back and started looking from. Just from December and January, they bought a facial recognition company, a uh, deep neural network com- uh, company, natural language, uh, humanoid robots, computer vision, robotic arms, robots, robotic wheels, God, robotic, robotic cameras. <laughs> I know. Uh, home automation, and then artificial intelligence was their last one, mm-hmm. Deep Mind. Um. Shite. Yeah, I mean, we could be looking at the next Skynet here, which reminds me we should do Terminator sometime. But ah, Oh, yes. Yeah. But I mean, you look at all the stuff that um, uh, you know, Google has bought and would they maybe be the first one to kind of make the uh, you know, the home servant, the artificial intelligent. Uh, I I can't use Android because then you confuse it with the phone, but I mean, you know, the first humanoid type robot
1: Actually, I think Honda is in the lead for that.
2: At oh, yeah, the I forgot about at the moment.
1: Yeah, and, and at least publicly. And, and much of what Honda has been doing, honestly, has been prepping uh, society for robots. They They have brought them out in about in friendly, non-threatening ways to do non-threatening things to get people used to having them around, to be honest. Um, and I have no idea what state their um, research is currently at or, you know, what the hell Google's up to. But, um, yeah, there, there is this thing about, and, and movies like Bicentennial Man are part of that process as well of, you know, okay, if somebody plopped a robot next to you, um, you... With absolutely no context, you might get freaked out, but at this point, we all know what a robot is um you know you plopped a plop a robot next to somebody in the twelfth century, and you know the first thing they would say is the devil um <laughs> and and you know they would kill it with fire, probably um whereas now it's like okay, it's a robot it's a machine made to look like a human to do menial tasks fine, I have menial tasks go you know um as as opposed to you know farther on beyond that we we start talking about androids and Japan's big on the robots because they don't you know the population there is aging and they don't have enough uh uh people to do certain jobs and they don't like immigrants and so you know the solution to their problem is to build you know robots to assist the elderly and they've come a, come a long long ways in that process too so um You know, we talked about that. There's another movie we saw. Oh, they're all blending together. (laughs) Ah! Where there was a robot that...
2: Oh, a robot in Frank?
1: That's the one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that was there to basically serve that purpose, you know, to be a personal assistant. So, yeah. um, The idea that robots need to be more, you know friendly, human, if you want to call it, (laughs) so that we can accept their presence next to us um, is part of the process, I guess, that we've been going through for decades at this
2: point. But I I think part of it also is, though, I think we want to be creators. I mean, you know, we... You know, those of us who grew up in a you know Judeo-Christian and, and in other religions too, they always talk about the creator that made us. I think there's something inside us that we want to be the creator. We want to create life of some sort, you know, in our own image, uh, to create it and grow it and to you know direct uh, its evolution. Um, I think that's something inside all of us that. Yeah, and this is some way of showing it, of, of building a you know a person that looks like us that grows and we can control.
1: Well, and that's probably right. part of the anthropomorphizing because that that tradition says that the highest um, thing ever created is human beings. So therefore, when human beings create human beings, oh my, what happens then? You know, it's like Inception. Um, so th- that does seem to be the the uh, end all of all our efforts is to be able to create human beings from, you know, dirt. So, yeah.
2: From dust to dust, ashes to ashes.
1: Well, everything starts with minerals, you know. Sure. No,
2: no, everything starts with Star Trek.
1: That's true.
0: (laughs)
2: Replicators.
1: There you go. So, yeah, it's a... it's an interesting, you know, piece of the equation, um, and Bicentennial Man picks up on a lot of those, you know, uh, tropes or themes or, you know, morals of the story or big issues that have to be wrestled with to, to get through this, because we talk about, uh, uh, with Close Encounters of the Third Kind, we talked about the, the whole UFO thing. Um, right. There was a time, thirty, oh, forty 30, 40 years ago, where UFO sightings were, you know, like news, um, and occasionally you, you'll hear one in the news today, but usually two days later they've found the meteor that struck, you know, the cornfield somewhere. So it's, the news is – you know, a UFO is usually reported as fact, not as an oh, my God, did you see that scary thing in the sky? And, you know, yeah. the wackos that were, you know, abducted and whatever. Well, I think
0: uh – with regards to that, like the fact that now everybody has a cell phone that can take a picture that has gone a long way yep. to, uh, you know reducing uh, people's Bigfoot sightings and UFOs and everything else. So.
1: Yep, yep, so it seems like that was a thing that society had to go through in order to, you know digest the, the you know, flying machines we've got going all over aerospace now um and i think this the things like bicentennial man and data and um the robot and frank and uh, osimo from honda and all these other things are are things that we're just kind of working through as a society as well to, to, cuz i you know robots are going to happen they they already okay. exist uh, on many many levels depending on how you want to define them so um speaking of oh. flying cars though there were some scenes in here with flying cars. That, that there they were. There were, they were from some brief pictures, you know, imaginative pictures of the the greater, wider world, other than just, you know, the, the kitchen table in this movie. And they were interesting. <laughs> they were completely artistic, um, you know, renderings. Somebody got to draw, you know, what would the world look like in 200 years. So, of course, there were flying cars, um, which was kind of fun. But it was also interesting that there were still cars on the ground, and uh, flying cars. Yeah, congestion. It was not a dystopian future that this movie no. was presenting.
0: No, it wasn't. Yeah, like, it, it, I would say it actually was. Uh, it certainly looked like a very positive, uh, yeah, maybe even utopian society. With the with the drawback that if you were a robot, that it probably wasn't the friendliest right. place but other than that it would seem pretty nice yeah so um, so to pick out a single piece of tech which uh, well, which piece of tech would you like to have had from the movie Jim?
1: oh lord besides the actual robot <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, actually, that should be that should be the stipulation. You can't choose a robot. Yeah, I was going to say the whole movie's built around. that.
1: Yeah, that would be kind of. They felt like cheating to me. It's like, no, I just want the robot. You guys find yeah. something else, huh? You know. Um, oh, let's see. What would I want? You know, I I'm I'm going to say the robot, but not the one that turned into a human by the end of the movie. Um, oh. I would be happy with just one of the standard models, <laughs> you know, to do a few things,
2: to, oh. you know, lift a few boxes and... How about the one that hits her hip and music starts coming Yeah, there up? you go. <laughs> my own personal MP3 player walking beside me. Yeah. Mm. What about uh, you, Mike? Oh, I was trying to think. I, I'm drawing a blank. Now. I know there was something in there last night that kind of piqued my interest. Now I think I kind of forgot what it was, but... Um, you know, the thing that I did notice was, you know, the the hospital that they were in in the end was rather, I don't know, sterile. You know, yeah. very white. And I don't know, you know, they've kind of proved that you know a hospital doesn't have to be white uh, to be sterile. Uh, that kind of, you know, bothered me a little bit because I just. Do you know, know what I, it
1: reminded me of though? What's that? Soylent Green. <laughs> uh,
2: okay, thank you for bringing me down there. I but, know,
1: I know. <laughs> Sorry. But it was
2: just so you know, um, you know, institutionalized. I would hope that in the future that you know, you know when you go in t- for your last, you know, uh, your last time or whatever, that it wouldn't be so white and you know, sterile. That it would be a little bit more, I don't know, humanizing or you know, something like that.
1: I will admit that those hospital beds, shall we call them that, looked kind of uh, cool.
2: Yeah, they did. Okay, there we go. I might take the hospital bed, just something that, you know, was reclining and comfortable. And, you know, I assume it took care of other things, you know, along the way. But, um, yeah, that that, that I, I'll go with the hospital bed.
0: All right. I think I would pick the artificial organs because I'm sure at some point I'll need the, uh, a replacement. And uh, I think that would be pretty handy to have.
1: Yeah, as opposed to last week's one of cloning it in a... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Actually,
0: yeah. Yeah. All right, anything else we want to uh, say before we wrap up?
1: You know, Bicentennial Man pretty much hits on all of the major issues, themes, tropes, plot devices for robots turning into people. Right, um, and I—I I don't think it does a disservice to any of those, but it doesn't really deal with them very yeah. in depth either. So you know, I
2: think it just misses the mark on. I most
1: think it's just average. It's yeah. not good. It's not bad. It's just average.
2: Yeah, and yeah. you know, I, I guess what I liked was just. Uh, you know kind of the process of watching him become a you know human um you know just dealing with things you know it yeah maybe it wasn't the best movie but it does give you a little food for thought if you just sit there and watch it and you know
0: something else though that this is a sci-fi movie that is targeted at non-sci-fi yes that's a good point yes
1: yep and and for somebody for those people who aren't nerds you know um Okay. it's a really great introduction because it's very i could k- say shallow on the
0: uh, <laughs> No, i think you could say shallow
1: <laughs> yeah um, you know all, all of the issues surrounding robotics and humanity and that kind of thing i mean it's a, it's like it's like robotics 101 you know intro to the robotic conundrum it's
2: Excellent. kind of sci-fi light and I like us to do one of the, uh, some of those once in a while because you know I've talked to a few people it's oh you know sci-fi is just so dark and heavy and it's nice to throw in these kind of you know not fluff pieces, but lightweight ones. So the, the average person can kind of go, Hey, you know, I, I kind of like that. So, all right.
0: Well, that wraps up this episode of sci-fi tech talk. You can check us out at sci-fi tech where there's all kinds of cool sp- cool space junk available for purchase or follow us on Twitter at sci tech talk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to sci tech talk at com, and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. So Julie, where can people find you?
1: I can be found uh, on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L, and links to other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I've got going on can be found at about.me
2: slash Julie And, Mike, where can people find you? I can be found on Twitter at uh, DSC Chipman, and I have an about.me page, at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. And people can find me on Twitter at Broncosire, S-Y-E-R. That's
0: it for the show. We'll see you in the future.